Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, bringing to you this week news from Brazil, Spain, Israel, the United Kingdom, the United States, and a see you in hell that's the celebration of a dead right-winger from history from South Africa. This week, I'm going to start out in Brazil talking about the ongoing judicial aftermath of the attempted coup conducted by the supporters of ousted President Jair Bolsonaro earlier this year on January the 8th. Trial and hearings are occurring for one of Bolsonaro's main allies, a guy named Mauro Cid. Cid is a former member of the Brazilian military and was a sort of like generalized gopher person for Bolsonaro. But not like a gopher, like, give me a coffee gopher, more like a, give me a meeting with this guy, or like a liaison with certain civil groups and groups of civilians, for example. Sid is being questioned by the Brazilian judiciary for his involvement in planning and conducting the attempted coup that Bolsonaro supporters committed on January the 8th. This consisted of invading all three of the major buildings containing all three of Brazil's major federal branches, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. Meanwhile, the Brazilian intelligence services continue to be investigating the groups that invaded the Capitol buildings on January the 8th. Their intelligence reports, these preliminary reports, are showing that online influencers in Brazil, and just like Portuguese language influencers in general, were extremely major, very important in inciting violence, and also that they made a lot of money on inciting this violence. More investigations from Brazilian intelligence services are to come in this. This uh, is also just alongside a, a funny, sad note, which is that Jair Bolsonaro, now having been barred from entering any Brazilian election for the next eight years, has pivoted to an online like marketplace of Jair Bolsonaro merchandise, like, you know, like party hats and balloons and, you know, tablecloths and shirts and stuff like that. Moving on to Spain. Spain is facing a very complicated situation. There is an election coming up at the end of July, and there is a serious possibility that the Vox Party, Spain's extreme right-wing party, will be one of the more successful parties in that election. The currently ruling government of Spain, currently controlled by a moderate left party, is likely to be defeated in this election, and it is probable that the Partido Popular, the sort of mainstream conservative party in Spain, will pick up where they left off. The issue is that the Partido Popular is extremely unlikely to gain enough votes in order to govern by itself. That is almost certainly not going to happen. And actually, they're probably not likely to win enough votes to govern without the aid of another major party. That really leaves them with two options. Either they form what is called a grand coalition with the PSOE, the actual socialist party, in Spain, the party that is probably going to lose this upcoming election, or they form a right-wing coalition with Vox. Over 60% of Spaniards, so you know that's close to two-thirds of the people in Spain, desperately hope that they do not form this right-wing coalition, but it's entirely possible that that is what PP is going to do. And if they do that, it would mean that Vox, an extreme right-wing party, would be in government in Spain at the national level for the first time. They would join the Italian post-fascist party, the current ruling party in Italy, as being a, an extreme right-wing party that is in the government 
of countries that only like 50 years ago in Spain's case, and only about 100 years ago in Italy's case, were ruled by the extreme right wing. Moving on to Israel, the Israeli government, run by Benjamin Netanyahu, is moving ahead with right-wing judicial reform laws, despite protests and setbacks. This is, again, despite roiling protests that are occurring throughout the state of Israel against these judicial reforms, which, as a reminder, would greatly enhance the power of the legislature vis-a-vis -vis the judiciary in Israel. Considering that the Israeli legislature is vastly controlled by conservative and even extreme right-wing forces at the moment, that would massively increase their social and political power in the country. Next, I have a couple of would-be white supremacist right-wing terrorists to talk about. The first is a guy named Luke Skelton from Newcastle in the United Kingdom. This is in the northeast of England. He was arrested and jailed this week for a plot to bomb a local police station and start what he himself called, quote, a race war. Skelton is clearly a white supremacist, as he used the name Adolf Hitler online, supposedly in an attempt to you know, prevent the police from identifying him didn't work out, it seems. In the United States, and this is moving on to the United States, a man from Rhode Island, a man named Alessio D'Andrea, was found with swastikas and machine guns in his home. He had silencers and a number of other illegal weapons and armaments. He was gathering information on local business people and other local leaders, apparently with an intention to start some sort of major violent incident. He even had nicknamed some of his weapons in his communications online with fellow right-wingers. He had nicknamed some of his weapons as racial epithet sweepers. Uh, that is what he called them. Racial epithet, of course, in this case, standing in for the um, disturbing and disgusting words that Dendrea used himself. Further on in the United States, the Michigan GOP meeting involved a, an actual physical fight. Uh, the Michigan Republican Party was really trounced in the recent presidential and midterm elections in 2020 and 2022, and this has resulted in major infighting in the party. This major infighting meant that some of the party's state convention meetings were held behind closed doors, like literally trying to keep out other delegates from them. This meant that some of these closed doors were literally like battered down by members of the Michigan GOP and that once they were battered down, and this is literally a quote, this is actually what happened. One of the members of the Michigan Republican Party kicked another one in the testicles, resulting in him having to go to the hospital. Now, if that isn't a civil war in the Republican Party, I don't know what is. Moving on to Tucker Carlson, this is just a quick note. Tucker Carlson, who has been removed from Fox News, largely due to an internal politicking problem within the organization rather than his fascism, he has been doing very well on Twitter, hosting a podcast and like long form interview video service. His most recent guest was none other than Andrew Tate, the accused human trafficker in Romania who built an empire online by getting a bunch of young men to think that women were beneath them and below them, and by pandering to the needs and emotional vulnerabilities of young men who feel like they are downtrodden in the world. As another note about extremely popular and influential online people who are gaining a lot of mainstream support, I got two stories about Nick Fuentes, probably the leading fascist in the United States at the moment. 
Earlier this week, Nick Fuentes appeared on the Fresh and Fit podcast. The Fresh and Fit podcast is one of the biggest podcasts in the world. It is hosted by two men of color, and it is it's focused on like masculine-oriented fitness, fashion, sports. It's a banter show, basically, right? Nick Fuentes appeared on it and was extremely popular amongst the viewers, the listeners, and the hosts themselves. The hosts, again, both of whom are men of color, played along with Fuentes' politics and beliefs. Specifically, Fuentes was very open about his anti-Semitism. He was very open about his white nationalism. He was open about his male supremacism, his belief that women should not have the right to vote, his belief that women should be prevented from getting educations, things like that. The hosts of the show played along with Fuentes' anti-Semitism by playing a cash register sound every time Fuentes mentioned Jewish people or Judaism. They played along with and allowed him to air his Holocaust denial on the air. Fuentes said that he generally agrees with Adolf Hitler and that he likes Hitler's demeanor. Fuentes even said the N-word on air, which is something that he actually does fairly regularly. It seemed like he was only hesitant to do so because he was actually being hosted by two black men at the time. I would say, honestly, even more worrying than Fuentes appearing in a softball fun style interview with some of the most listened to podcasters in the world is that Nick Fuentes has been invited by a national convention of college Republicans to speak at their annual meeting. Now, this isn't the mainstream college Republicans. This is an organization called College Republicans United, a splinter extreme right wing version of the college Republicans in the United States. However, that is still really alarming, right? These are the people who are trying to be the future of the Republican Party in the United States. And they're saying like, yeah, it's Nick Fuentes who is our representative. It's Fuentes who we want to be at the forefront of what our party is going to be. They have announced that Fuentes is going to come. They have also, at various points in planning this event, they have said that a bunch of other right-wing influencers and right-wing personalities are going to attend. Some of the other people who are slated to appear at this event are various members of the Arizona GOP who have been ousted from it for being too right-wing. Also, the so-called January 6th shaman, you know, that guy who dressed up in faux Native American attire in order to attend Donald Trump's attempted coup, he is going to be here at this, uh, at this GOP event in Prescott, Arizona. That's where they're planning to hold it. They're being really cagey about exactly where they're going to hold this event because the event's original host, once they found out that, you know, well-known anti-Semite and neo-Nazi Nick Fuentes is going to come, the original host hotel of the event said that, well, no, we're going we're gonna to cancel this. Also, the local GOP, which was originally a sort of co-host and sponsor of the event, said like, yeah, we, we didn't know that they were going to invite a neo-Nazi either, so they have withdrawn their support. However, the GOP leadership of various other counties in Arizona is in favor of the College Republicans, specifically the College Republicans United. Now, again, I want to emphasize all of these events, both of these events, Fuentes appearing on this very popular podcast and Fuentes appearing at this big College Republicans event, it represents the mainstreaming of his ideas, which are constantly creeping, growing, and encroaching on a new generation of young right-wing men in the United States. These views are becoming more normal, they're becoming more normalized and acceptable, and they're just becoming more common. Like, like the, people are just seeing them more. You can encounter them a lot more easily than you used to be able to. 
And if that isn't worrying, then I, 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 I don't know what to tell you. I mean, like, this is how it happens, right? This is actually how fascism becomes more popular. It's by events like this, people appearing on podcasts back in the early 20th century, right? It would have been like Fuentes appearing on a popular radio show or getting lunch with a popular personality and that being in the newspaper, right? That's the present day version of, of this, right? Like that's what's happening right now. Moving on to news about Donald Trump. Donald Trump's legal team has asked that his trial for his mishandling of classified documents be held after the 2024 election. This would be possibly about a year after the actual date for this trial, like when the trial is supposed to happen, which is in December of this year. Essentially, they want it to be held after November of next year. So that would be at earliest a year from its intended date. Of course, Donald Trump does not want to be facing trial for mishandling classified documents as he is attempting to secure the Republican nomination for president. That would not be a good look for him. Finally, going to close out this week like I do every week with See You in Hell, a segment celebrating the deaths of prominent right-wing figures in history. This week, I'm talking about a guy from South Africa, Daniel Hendrik Selier du Plessis. Uh, my apologies to people from South Africa. I do not speak Afrikaans. Du Plessis was born in 1898 in the Cape Colony. He then moved to the Orange Free State and then to Transvaal and then to Johannesburg. Du Plessis was an Afrikaner in the newly really established UK's dominance of South Africa. Afrikaners are a white ethnicity in South Africa who descend from the original white colonists of the territory who were predominantly Protestants from Germany, from the Netherlands, from the Low Countries, and also from the east of France. So Huguenots. He got financial help from his family and from surrounding people in the area to attend school. There he met his fellow white nationalist, H.J. Clopper. And his professional life is, after this, pretty innocuous. He's just like a local boy who did good. He worked for the South African Railway Company starting in 1915, and he worked his way up to become the leader of the organization starting in 1952. That makes him just like a medium-sized mover and shaker in South African and specifically Johannesburg politics. For our purposes, though, we're more curious about what he did behind the scenes. And this started earlier on in his life, immediately after school. In 1918, and with the help of this friend of his, H.J. Klopper, that I mentioned before, he started a group called the Afrikaner Broterbund. The Broterbund was the leading white supremacist, white nationalist, male supremacist, secret organization in South Africa prior to the end of apartheid. The Broderbund was headquartered in Duplessis's home, and it essentially became the architect of the ideology, the philosophy, and the policies that would become apartheid in South Africa. Every single South African prime minister and president between 1948 and the end of apartheid in 1994 was a member of the Afrikaner Broderbund. The group was exposed in 1978, you know, and ceased to be a secret organization, and a tell-all book that published a bunch of member lists and, like, you know, stuff that they had been doing recently. The problem is, though, that their secretive nature means that we don't know a lot about what they did before that. All we know is that members of the organization held extremely powerful posts in South Africa, that they deeply and fundamentally influenced South African politics, and again, that their ideology of white supremacism and specifically Afrikaner supremacism, 
was part of the foundation of the establishment of the 20th century South African political, social, and economic system. Duplessis remained in the organization for decades, first as secretary and then on the executive board. He died this week in history, actually today in history, on the 13th of July, 1981, in Johannesburg. So, Duplessis, we will see you in hell. That was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism, all one word and spelled out, if you want to help me keep this podcast afloat. I'm still on Twitter at hist of the right, that's H-I-S-T of the right, and also on Twitter at fascism15. I am establishing other social media network platforms as Twitter continues to implode. And if you want to reach me on Gmail, if you want to contact me, I'm at 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. That is once again 15 minutes spelled out and all one word. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you next week.